but I think sometimes like society has to get to that very dark place before mm -hmm. things get better, before there's an enlightenment. Yeah. There's an enlightenment after the dark ages. So yeah, sometimes no, you're it's right. like, it has to get yeah. so bad for people to wake up, right? Hi, welcome back to the channel today, everybody. So today I have another special guest, um, co-host of Unsafe Space here on YouTube, Carrie Smith. Welcome in. Hello, Sarah. Thanks for having me. Yes, thank you. Um, so interestingly enough, we were supposed to, we scheduled this to do this last week and you got COVID. Uh, COVID, <laughs> yeah. And I'll just tell your listeners right now, I don't know if I still have it. You were like, do you, have you, I haven't taken the, I haven't taken the, I have another one of the tests, so I could take it on camera, on camera, but I think, I think I'm over it, but I still have some of the effects where, uh, I definitely have mental, a bit of mental fog. So if this mm -hmm. is loopy <laughs> or if I get off subject, just a warning. Just yes. Just a warning. Me. Yeah. Just I'll try a to, warning. I'll try to bring you back. Yeah. Um, I, I told you, I feel like a feral animal that you've, woken from a slumber an enchanted slumber <laughs> just to you know because because the dream the sleepy the, the way that you sleep in the dreams and stuff during covid there it's somewhat like a like fever dreams it's a little like crazy time oh yeah yeah so i mean you have the test but do you trust the test after everything that's coming out with the people in the view testing positive then testing negative oh i trust very little but I do, I do trust that I had that we had COVID in this in this household. We have had COVID because uh, I lost my sense of smell, and because it was so it's so different than anything else I've ever had. Like in my opinion, just having had it, there's no way this came from nature. This is a man-made thing. I don't, I don't care. Yeah. It's much like uh, not trusting election results. I don't really need to see any proof i just know what i think and yeah. you don't have to take that with you, you know you can take it with a grain of salt but having had it it's like yeah. it just doesn't feel normal at all like a normal uh yeah. flu or fever or virus or and i've had weird a weird virus like i had a i had typhoid even though i took a vaccine against typhoid i, I had typhoid i had okay. um giardia and those things gave me fever dreams too but not not like this this is a whole new beast the worst thing about it in my opinion so I didn't get it as bad as my husband. So he's got a lot worse things he's been dealing with. But in mine, in my case, I just really can't stand losing my sense of smell. It's my, it's my best sense. That's what. I mean. That's <laughs> what like, well, I could imagine. I actually, th I, I think that losing my taste would be worse because I like to taste things. I like food, you know, I like to, yeah. I like to enjoy stuff. And that's one of the biggest yes. things that people get enjoyment from. So they're, they're tied together and losing my sense of taste is a close second, but really it's my smell. I'm like, I can't smell my dog and I can't smell like my husband. And you know, you're just used to, I just had a good sense of smell. So I'm used to smelling. It, it just feels like the, the lights get turned off when it, yeah. <laughs> when it comes to smelling like, um, and I'm realizing I'm, I'm, you know, you, you rely on your sense of smell to keep you out of bad situations. There's things that I've been in a couple of bathrooms now where I'm like, afterwards, I'm like, oh, I wonder if it smelled bad in there. And I didn't know. 
And I was mouth breathing the whole time. Well, you realize, how, yeah, you realize how much you actually do smell things throughout the day. Even like right now, it's like, oh, I don't smell anything, but you're probably smelling something. Yes. Yeah. So I can't wait. I hope that comes back. I've been reading about, as I was saying to you beforehand, this is really interesting to me is it's hard to find information, I think, about this virus, considering mm -hmm. considering how prevalent it is and, and what a big deal it's been the past year and a half. It's actually hard to find information, I think, because there's a lot of censorship that's going on. And because there's so much of the um, propaganda that's being put out there, the, the approved narrative. And so if you look up any topic, like if I look up uh, uh, the... I don't want to get you banned. So, but there are some issues that women have claimed to have had in as yeah. a result of COVID and as a result of the vaccine. And if you look up these issues, you'll find a bunch of just the first 20 results. So I'll be like, don't worry about that. That's not a real thing that, you know, that's a hoax or that's fake news. And don't, I'm like, I got to scroll far to actually get to any yeah. information about it. And and so when I was looking up different symptoms and stuff of COVID, it was interesting to see that some of the stuff I'm experiencing, uh, people who had the vax experienced as well. And, yep. and of course, and that's it. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. You so. were talking, you, you have a lot of brain fog and you, you were especially really, you know, your brain was really foggy last week. And I mean, I don't even think I've mentioned it on here, but I am vaccinated because I didn't want my surgery to cancel in, in November. So I got vaccinated back in May. I've also been vaccinated for like everything when I was in the military. But um, yeah, for like the first week, I, I I had like the same brain fog. It was it was really weird, and it wasn't a normal headache either. Like the first day, the headache was like right like in the top of the head. So it was just a weird yes. spot to even have a headache. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. And you didn't, you don't recall having crazy dreams, do you? I don't recall the crazy dreams, but like I was telling you before, I actually got the really bad rash that they were talking about because it activates like that type of stuff. So it was, yes, it was really interesting. Yeah, it's all been, and you know, it's weird, but there were, there were two times before this where I thought I had gotten it because of a rash and some other things that some of the women's issues, I was like, mm -hmm. do it. Maybe I've already had this, but, um, I think maybe some of us were just, you know, with the variants and stuff, maybe we're just going to yeah. have to all get this several times. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah, I agree. I mean, <laughs> I'm not going to get a third booster. I've, I'm, I've just already said I'm not going to, cause that'll be like December as to when I need it. And I'm, my surgery is in November. So I'm, I'm not planning on getting that. And last year, I remember thinking last year, like I would almost rather just get COVID and get the antibodies like that way. And then it's like the chicken pox, right? Just let it go. But the antibodies, yeah. I yeah. have a friend who uh her boss, so she's already had COVID and she's she's not gonna get the vaccine. Her boss called her out at work in front of everyone and said that she didn't want to stand next to her because she's unvaxxed. And just so such an awful thing to do to someone, to your employee in front of yeah. other employees. And so she brought in her antibody score and showed, you know, it's very yeah. high. Cause I've had this yeah. before and, and it Which made things a little bit likely. better. Yeah. But still yeah. they're just it's, it's pretending. Like you're less likely to have it with that. <laughs> yeah. They're pretending like natural immunity doesn't exist. Everything we knew it's yes. sort of, they've gotten us to try and believe like in a short matter of time in like 18 months or so, they've gotten us to believe that natural immunity is not even a thing and that yep. your vaccine won't work if somebody else doesn't get it. And all this other just nonsense. Yeah. It's like, I don't, 
I never thought I would live through time, a time like this, but I'm, I'm kind of, I'm trying to look at the positive side of it and say, well, I'm kind of grateful for being able to understand human beings better in groups yeah. in a way that I wouldn't yeah. be, or I didn't used to be. So. Well, and that's the thing is, I mean, we were already divided um, and COVID just exacerbates that divide. Right. And it's like, you have one group of people who, they don't care what the actual data says. They just want, they're going to believe whatever their side believes. And then they're going to, you know, call you some of the worst names in the world because of it. Yeah. It just brings out the worst in people. What What's happened, this kind yeah. of di division that's happening right now? I don't know. I mean, because you live in Texas. I live in Georgia. So we both live in kind of the free states, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, and I live in Atlanta, but even in Atlanta, it's, it's kind of half and half, but people that wear masks and all that stuff, they don't bother people that don't wear masks. And I was in North Carolina last week and it was so different. It was so different. What was it like there? So we went to Asheville, which, you know, is like a very big blue dot or a hippie town over there too. And it yeah. was, they only mandate. So it was like, we walk into a store and they like everybody, every store we went into, can you put a mask on? Can you put a mask on? Like, as soon as you walk into the store, I haven't been asked to put a mask on this whole pandemic until this yeah. point. So, wow. And then we went to Raleigh and it was, it wasn't as bad in Raleigh. Some of the places were not, um, yeah, they weren't asking us as much, but then we walked out of a, a bagel shop and there was like a teacher's union, um, or something like with teachers, the fraternal order of, or not teachers fraternal order of police. And they were asking for donations so that they could teach police officers like CRT and all the different genders and stuff like that. And me and Ariel just walked away. We were just like, ah, no. <laughs> <laughs> do people do, do people assume when they see you a lot that you're going to, that they can tell what your beliefs are about issues? Like, like in that case, that happens to me sometimes where people will I, just assume I'm on their side. I think so. Yeah. That was the first time I've ever had somebody where when I was talking to them, the fact that they, they started talking, like they, they first started talking, like, like I said, it was more about like racial issue, like racial divisions and stuff like that. And then all of a sudden they made a point to switch to, and all the different genders. Yeah. All the different, another person was like, yeah, all the different genders and stuff. We're going to teach them all that stuff. And I'm like, they the pointed at you. At I was like, okay. <laughs> they no, they, no, they didn't point at me. I actually wasn't even really looking at them. I was trying okay. to walk away, and 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 I was like, you know, all the different genders, and I'm like, I look at Ariel. My, I just go, no, let's go, <laughs> let's go. <laughs> I, took, I, I mean, it, it that, and that was the first time. I think that that's the first time, like, in my life. No, second time because I did have somebody I met at a bar one time, and she was like just so you know, we are accepting and stuff like that. I'm like, eh, okay, <laughs> you don't need to say that, but okay, thanks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That makes me think of people I've heard from that said that, oh gosh, that after the George Floyd stuff where social justice became kind of mainstreamed as a religion, that suddenly that these like white friends or acquaintances they knew their whole life were suddenly treating them differently or asking them like, yeah. You know, you can explain your explain your experience with racism to me, and it's like, dude, we're just I'm just trying to get a beer with you, like yeah, those kind it, of it things. Where be about all this? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's interesting. So you're in Georgia. 
Uh, yes. I'm, I, do you know, um, I'm trying to think of podcasters. Oh, Clifton Duncan's there. Have you talked to him? I don't I think, I, don't I think you would enjoy talking with him. Um, you always claim, um, a lot. <laughs> so even on your website, you are a former social justice warrior. Um, you mm -hmm. claim that. So what made you move over to be more liberty minded and be more active, like in the, in the Liberty community, because that's, that's quite a jump to go from there to this side. I think a lot of people that are in social justice haven't actually really thought about what they're in or what they believe. Mm -hmm. And so there are a lot of people in there who might actually, who are liberals and some who might actually be more like libertarians and maybe even some who might be conservatives if they ever interrogate their real beliefs. But the problem is people get people fall into it in the same way that they fall into cults. It's it's not a nobody nobody joins thinking they're joining a cult. Like it's just a yeah. slow process. And so mm -hmm. uh, in my case, I was at Duke University in North Carolina. Um, mm -hmm. and I I didn't really have anything in that in that God hole, what I call like the the belief system hole. The I didn't have anything in that sort of this is this is the way I view and interpret the world. I had abandoned my my belief system from when I was a child. I was raised Southern Baptist, and I had left that behind. And a lot of the reasons why I left it behind is because of what I saw as hypocrisy, and uh, sexism, and and racism, and homophobia. And there were things that I I really I've, I thought this is I thought that things I had seen in that religion were indicative of the religion as a whole, which I no longer believe. But I had walked away from that and I'd walked away from God. And I, um, I had this, this vacuum that was filled with social justice. And I didn't even, in, I, I wasn't consciously aware that that's what was happening. It's just that I started picking up this new belief system. It's like a pair of glasses that you put on to view the world through. And the way I was viewing the world is as, uh, you know, based on the classes I was taking at Duke and stuff, I was learning that the best way to look at the world is as this competition for power among identity groups and that we need to redistribute the power and then things will be equal. And so everybody, everybody gets put into these groups and the groups are basically, they're divided into this binary system of uh, oppressor or oppressed. Every everyone. So if you're white, you're an oppressor. If you're not white, you're oppressed. If you're man, you're an oppressor. If you're a woman, you're oppressed. Um, if you're trans, you're oppressed. If you're cis, you're an oppressor. If you're Christian, you're an oppressor. If you're Muslim, you're oppressed. It was like, and yeah. you know, just they broke every every identity category down into this binary, and then. And then you're you're taught slowly that you need to start treating individuals as members of whatever oppressor or oppressed groups they're in. So instead of meeting you and treating you as a unique individual, I would meet you and treat you a certain way based on the fact that you're white, based on the fact that you're trans. You know, it's, it's this sort of you are no longer uh, judged on the basis of your character you're judged on the basis of which of these identity groups you're in. And so how much power does that give you? And how much power do I need to take away from you in our interactions kind of thing? And they, and they really believe this. I believed, I mean, they got me to believe some absurd things. It, and sometimes I, I'm embarrassed about that, but I know a lot of smart people who've, who are still in it. And it's not a, 
it's not a matter of IQ. I mean, there were a lot of smart people in the mm -hmm. Heaven's Gate cult as well. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, people absolutely. Just, uh, yeah. So, so I do view it as a cult. I do talk about it that way now because it has a lot of the social rules that are set up to the same kind of rules that you see in cults that, that keep you from questioning and keep you from leaving. They have, there are stigmas attached to questions. There are stigmas attached to associating with people who are no longer a part of the belief system. And, and uh, you know, it, I, I think it's hard for us to see it as a cult because it's, it doesn't have the charismatic leader. We we're so used yeah. to our references are a lot of times based on pop culture and what we know about through pop culture. Well, which cults are are going to be in the media? Well, the ones that have the charismatic leaders and are easy to talk about, and we can all look at it and say, "Yes, that is a cult." You know, <laughs> yeah. but but not the people who were in it. They couldn't see it. You know. Yeah, they never can. And like you said, it it's not. That's the thing about cults. It's it's the people who they prey upon. Uh, they always have something going on. And then um, it, it has nothing to do, like you said, with um, intellectual ability, cognitive ability, because what they play on is emotions. Usually they, they play. They, they t and, and I think the left a lot of times tugs at your heartstrings. Right. It's like if you don't do this, then you're then yeah. you're just a bad person or you want people to suffer. You want people to die. Um, and, and that's the type of things, that's the rhetoric that they use. Um, and so you don't want to be that person. They call it people that, I mean, they call the right Nazis because nobody wants to be a Nazi. Nobody wants to be a racist. And, but when you, when you can free yourself of that and you start to think clearly, absolutely. You, you start to be like, okay, wait a second. You guys are actually the racist because you put all these people into little boxes that you can manipulate and stuff like that. Yeah. So, but yeah, they do, they do put people in these groups and they, and they do tell us that we need to and convince us that there are good reasons for us to judge and treat people differently on the basis of like what racial group they're in and stuff like that. And at the end of the day, that makes you a racist. I don't care what your good reasons are. It does. Yeah. They're training people to become racist and, and not just towards um, white people, which they, which they're doing, but also towards anyone who's not white, you know, I'm sure you've seen mm -hmm. the materials that they put out would make a white supremacist very happy. I mean, they put out materials that say yeah. that things like meritocracy and being on time and, and math and the nuclear family, these are all functions yeah. of white. I mean, that's so racist. It's, and, and that's not racist against white people. That is a, that is racist. What is it called? Um, of low expectations. Yeah, the bigotry of low expectations. They do a yeah. lot of that. And and they change yeah, the way that yeah. white people react or interact with people of color. Um, there, there are some of these social justice groups I'm still in on Facebook. And one of the craziest things I see in there is, is white women who will bemoan the fact in the group, they kind of use it as therapy sometimes, these groups, and they're like, why can't I make any friends with women of color? You know, I keep trying. And and then these other white women will tell them what they're doing wrong. And they give examples. And they're like, like one woman, she said, she said a black woman moved to her town and she was like, I really wanted to befriend her, but I didn't know. I, I, I couldn't ask her where she's from. Cause I, I know that's a microaggression and that's racist. And I couldn't ask this and that. I was like, Oh my God, just that treat is... her like you would a white woman. <laughs> like, what's wrong with you? And yeah, and I, I see the same thing. 
Um, well, in Reddit, Reddit's just a cesspool anyways, but people come in there like, I want to make friends with a trans person. Or and it's like, <laughs> like, why? <laughs> like, people can smell that desperation, man. That's so yeah. gross. No, they can. Yep. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, oh, oh, God. But yeah, it's doing bad things to people. It's doing bad things like that. They want to collect you yeah. like you're a piece, uh, <laughs> you know. Get all of the unique pieces in the Happy Meal. Like, I need this piece. That's it's really it's it's just objectifying people and and tokenizing them and and I mean this isn't the way. There's nothing about it that's the no. way. So so when you ask how did I get into it, I guess uh, to get back on track, I got into it in college. I didn't realize the extent of what it was at that time. I really just thought this is the best way to look at the world. This is uh, there's all this oppression I had not seen before. And the thing about it is it's got kernels of truth in there. You know, it takes it, it incorporates things that are true into the narrative and it incorporates, I mean, we, we have reckoned with slavery and racism, decades of racism in this country and, and sexism and things. And, and those things have happened, but they take that and they steal the achievements of liberalism and they try and pretend those are achievements of social justice, and they're not, in my opinion. I no yeah. longer think those are achievements of social justice. And then yeah. they use they use all the fruits of liberalism to sell this belief system that's very illiberal. I mean, they don't they believe yeah. in censorship. They believe yeah. in censorship. That's full stop. Yeah, people think I mean and that's why I don't even use the word liberal to describe these people. I use progressives because now they are progressive. Um even even our modern liberals are not are more the establishment on the left. You know, it's not it's not these crazy far leftists that we're dealing with, not the social justice warriors that kind of fuel um, the Democrat Party and are kind of the I guess the enforcement wing of the Democrat Party. But they're the ones to make the politicians, I guess, seem sane when they yeah. are as far left. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good way of putting it. <laughs> well, look what happened on the floor of the house this week um, with AOC and Nancy Pelosi. I, I just did a video on this and everybody wants to label this as AOC voted present while crying because of the bill. When in reality, she voted no and Nancy Pelosi reamed her out on the floor of the house and she changed her vote to present. Wow. That's like she reeled her in when she had to. It's like, who's really running the show? And And, you know, a lot of people think that the squad has been running the show and it's not the establishment is still running it. They need, they need these far leftists to pull the Overton window slowly so that they seem like more the moderates and they can move over slowly and be the moderates for these far leftists. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> that's how it, that's how it always works. Yeah. I think that's how it and, always and, works. And now you have conservatives wanting bigger government principles too, to counteract, you know, these far leftists. So it's it's really yeah. interesting to watch right now. It's it's like neither party is going to save us, <laughs> and no. and yeah, I have seen some of the big government stuff coming from the GOP. I've seen this idea that uh, we should put cameras in all classrooms, which I think is, I mean, talk about Big Brother talk about government overreach and just saying like, well, okay, I guess we have to get used to our kids being surveilled by the government every day. No, 
<laughs> and I think people so, are short-sighted yeah. on both, like no matter if they're on the left or the right, people have a tendency, they can be very, very short-sighted where they can't see what comes next. So it's only like, well, this thing benefits me or my party or what have you in the short term, let's do it without thinking about the mm -hmm. long-term repercussions and stuff like the Patriot Act. It's a great example um, of, of thinking in the short term. Well, this is going to be used to stop terrorism. Yeah. Okay. What comes yeah. next? And, and what else, you know, and the same thing with these vaccine <laughs> yeah. passports, like that, if yep. people, anybody thinks this is just going to be a passport about COVID vax, they're crazy. It's going to be used for other things down, the, like obviously down the road. Yep. So, yeah, absolutely. I don't know. I mean, we're just very like short sighted. With the cameras and classrooms. Oh, so like with like the cameras and classrooms and stuff, I, I like that idea, but I was thinking of it more as parents can join in and see what's going on in their mm. kids classrooms because that is an issue that we're seeing as well um but if it's just government watching teachers it's a little bit different story yeah that's true <laughs> <laughs> if it's just big brother's eye like like right now they'll push it like, like oh, we'll make sure you're not doing crt and it's the eye of big brother like oh you're doing any yeah. crt in here but what will it be used for down the road next it'll be well, making sure you are doing it, crt <laughs> it, well then it then it's put a camera in everybody's house like in 1984 yeah exactly i mean that, that exactly or well so it, it really is interesting then i mean even all this authoritarianism that you're seeing with big tech and stuff like that it's almost like like in florida and in texas trying to pass bills to stop censorship and stuff like that but at what point does it do you does that become pushed into you know the left being able to use something similar and everything like that against corporations we're kind of seeing the fight for corporation corporations to like force corporations to go one way or the other because mm -hmm. a lot of people want them to force the mandates on vaccines but then now we want to force them to post whatever content that we want on their on their sites and stuff like that it's just yeah it's really interesting the back and forth between between conservatives and and, and liberals right now yeah. Now, where where are you like where your political ideology now? Where where would you put yourself? So I, I consider myself politically a liberal. Um, I, I'm not a member of the Democratic Party anymore, though. And I voted yeah. for a, my first Republican in 2018. I voted for Ted Cruz because I felt he was more of a liberal than Beto because Beto was speaking social mm -hmm. justice. And again, social justice is not liberal. And so, it, and, and it terrifies me. It terrified me then. I think we, those of us who were scared of it a few years ago have been proven right about what it is. And anyway, so I voted for Trump for the same reason. I thought he was the more liberal candidate. And I don't care if people want to laugh at me when I say that. It's like, he was the more, he was for, he was anti-interventionist. Um, he was pushing prison reform. Yeah. He was against uh, CRT being funded, racism being funded with federal tax dollars and in federal labs. And um, there were several reasons why I thought he was the more liberal of the candidate. So, so I voted, I voted Republican twice now. Um, but okay. politically, I guess, yeah, I still, I still call myself a liberal. I still think I'm liberal on a lot of policy positions, but can, mm -hmm. but I'm more conservative personally. So that's yeah. definitely happened. And sometimes people don't separate the two. They think who they mm -hmm. are personally should be who they are politically. And that's not even, that's not true. 
And yeah. just because you think something's immoral yeah. doesn't mean it should be illegal. And absolutely. So there are things that personal positions I have that are more conservative, but I don't hold, hold I don't hold that everyone needs to believe those same things that I do. So, and that's what I talk. I talk a little bit about like social conservatism versus American conservatism and American conservatism is more liberal. And, and if you look at it in the classic sense of the term liberalism, it's based off of what the constitution and everything like that is where social conservatives, like, like you said, talk about morality and, um, and, and a lot of them want to go with, you know, a, a, a biblical way of thinking about things. And they want to, yeah. sometimes they want to regulate and legislate based on the Bible. Right. Right. I do know a lot and, of conservatives. So for example, I, yeah. I believe, I now believe abortion. I do believe abortion is murder. I don't think it is. Um, I don't think it is a, a, a necessarily what's, what's the word? I don't believe in the government having the right to tell someone what they can do with their own body even if it mm -hmm. means it would save the life of another body inside of them. And mm -hmm. a lot of conservatives don't like that. I have that position, but my fear again of short sightedness and of the control that you give up to the government is so big that I don't think yeah. the government should be able to step in and say, you can't do this until you get to a part. Here's my nuanced view on it until we get to a point where at such a point, the baby can live outside of your body and medical yeah. science keeps pushing that back earlier and earlier. So if the baby doesn't need you, because I know a lot of pro-choice people will say, well, they're, they are pro-choice because they, they believe in bodily autonomy. However, they, they believe in abortion up until birth. And that doesn't make any sense because no. you can, if you can deliver a living baby, you should deliver the living mm -hmm. baby, in my yeah. opinion. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I... I've only, I, I don't like talking abortion that much, but I did just do a video on the Texas abortion bill and everything like that. And I don't mind the heartbeat bills. Um, I'm, I am pro-life, um, but I also use a caveat to say, but we can't ban abortion until, you know, conservatives get really cool about LGBT adoptions and we actually fix adoption, like have adoption reform and make it a lot make it not so expensive to be able to adopt, make it easier to adopt. Otherwise you can't, you're going to have more kids in the system and you're not going to have, um, you know, and that just is not at all what we need. We, we don't need so many kids in the system and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So it's, it is, it's kind of a catch 22 and you kind of have to do some stuff first before you can, can, can ban something like abortion. So are you, uh, are you politically conservative? Is that how you view yourself? So I am a former conservative. Um, so I've kind of gone the same path, I guess, not, not, maybe the same path. I'm a libertarian. So I voted Joe Jorgensen in the last election. I was a Tea Party conservative. And then Republicans just kind of like just disappointed me every step of the way. It was like I was part of the movement that got all these people elected and then they did nothing with it to, to shrink the size of government. Because at the time, I mean, I was a constitutionalist. Um, and I've just given up. So I've been blackpilled so much that it's just like, I'm at the point where I'm a minarchist. And, you okay. know, you know, at that point, I know I'm a like, few of you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm not, I'm not at the point of anarchist yet, but it's like, I don't know. 
and it's like every day I go back, I go back and forth between being black pilled and white pilled on where our government's at right now. I'm just like, yeah. I, don't, I don't, I don't know. Cause sometimes they do good things and it's like you, you have hope because you see society shifting. Um, and then you get a lot of this other stuff and then you get a red flag laws and, in, in uh, in the national defense act. So <laughs> yeah. And, and 135 uh, Republicans voting for it. Like, nobody is really in Washington keeping, you know, holding constitutional values. No, I think it's all broken, Sarah. I think it, <laughs> I think it's all broken. That was, but also, <laughs> that, that also, was going to lead me into my question is where okay. are you like black pilled or white pilled? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm white pilled, but you gotta be, I think you have to be black pilled first sometimes before you can be white pilled. And yeah. Um, it's sort of like, what oh there's an analogy there to finding god too it's like i found god after hitting of like the lowest darkest point imaginable and i know a lot of people who have found god that way and yeah you can you can take that analogy to being black pilled and white pilled and not that not that god has to be a part of, of your white pilling but um but i think sometimes like society has to get to that very dark place before Mm-hmm. Things get better before there's an enlightenment. Yeah. There's an enlightenment after the dark ages. So yeah, sometimes no, it's right. like, it has to get yeah. so bad for people to wake up. Right. And now yeah. I don't know. I've seen a little bit, like it's starting to seem like the pendulum starting to shift. I think um, just from what people have started to talk about, like the next generation after Gen Z is starting to become more conservative again is from mm-hmm. what I'm gathering from people. Have you have you seen anything about that? I, like, is that what kind of helping push stuff. that? Like, think we're coming back? I don't know. I did see some stuff about Gen Z actually, how they were going to be very conservative. I I don't know. I I do think uh, we read a book. Uh, Cameron Pasha. If you haven't talked with him, you might enjoy speaking with him. He's a screenwriter, and he recommended a book that we read called The Fourth Turning. We read that for Unsafe Space Book Club, and and that yeah. was sort of uh, I liked it. It it was basically looking at time, not just as something linear, but as something cyclical, the way that we kind of do with seasons, right? You know, you same seasons mm-hmm. and every year you flip that calendar over in January and time repeats. And, and yeah. so it was sort of talking about thinking about time in terms of like cycles of awakening and rebirth and destruction and all the stuff, just sort of seeing how it just happens over and over again. And so the, mm-hmm. the historians who wrote that book traced back and they tried to, their thesis was that we are in, when they wrote it, uh, they wrote it in the 90s. So they were like, we're getting ready to enter the fourth turning. Well, now we're in that. If you believe them, we're in the fourth turning. And and they, after this comes an awakening. And so it'll be that younger generation. They also break the yeah. generations down into these archetypes. And that was yeah. sort of interesting to see which parts they were right about and what parts they were wrong about. I think they had some things about millennials totally wrong, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but Gen Z, yeah, it makes sense. You kind of rebel against what your parents are, right? Each generation. That's yeah. one of the things they were talking about. And so if you've got uh, like Gen X, for example, we were more, we were left to our own devices more and our parents were a bit more, uh, self-absorbed, I guess. Mm-hmm. And so some of us, we <laughs> sort of a generation that raised ourselves and we're pretty skeptical of authority and 
Um, there, mm -hmm. there are things that you can say in general that kind of make up Gen X and, and, and then you get the millennials after us who had We're so much crazy bunch. <laughs> yeah. So you're a millennial. Yeah. So I mean, I'm an older millennial, so <laughs> I'm a younger Gen X. So we're probably, you and I are pretty close. Maybe yeah, probably I, I, I would say probably, but well, the millennials, the millennials started having kids, some of the Gen Z's or Gen X had some of these Gen Z's and have just really poured all of this into them. And I think, um, I don't know. I think Gen Z's might, I think they might yet become conservative. I think they might re reject every the world that we've handed them. This world of I think, yeah, Go I ahead. think we're seeing it. We're starting to see a little bit of it. Yeah, I mean, when when you again when like Donald Trump get goes from fourteen percent of the LGBT vote to twenty eight percent, I mean that's a rejection. Yeah, and now with COVID, you're starting to see. You're starting to see what Democrats really think and you're starting to see what the left really thinks when you're talking like vaccine mandates and stuff like that. And you try to point out like 60% of black people haven't been um, vaccinated. So all these things are actually hurting, like using their own rules against them. Like yeah. these mandates are racist, you know, yeah. even more racist yeah. than you can even imagine. <laughs> yeah. If you use their definition of racism to mean disparate outcomes on the basis of race then yes yeah it's racist but if you say if you post a video of that of saying that they'll take it down <laughs> on twitter <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah <laughs> crazy times so i know this is your show and you're asking the questions but i have a question for you how did yeah, you start doing ahead. your podcast Oh, so my, so this is, um, I've told this story actually quite a bit lately. Um, cause I was at an outspoken event last couple weeks ago. Um, outspoken magazine was having a, and log cabin Republicans was having an event and I was hanging out there. And, um, so it was about a year and a half ago. Um, I hated being on camera. I hated hearing my voice when editing, everything like that. My voice still gives me dysphoria and everything like that. Um, and I watched Blair White's video about when she met Caitlyn Jenner for the first time. And Caitlyn told her to do what scares you. And that made sense to me. I was afraid of heights and I used to jump out of airplanes. And, you know, I, I always was that type of person that would do what scares me. I mean, I could, but I could speak in front of a thousand soldiers and hated being on camera. Um, and then about a week later, um, Ariel asked me to be to just shoot something real quick for her one of her videos. And then I asked her, I said, should I do should I get on YouTube? And she said, absolutely. So within like a week, I was did my first did my first slide, nice. did my first uh, video. Yeah. So that's kind of I, that's where I, I agree. I started doing it. And then <laughs> really, I I mean, it took me. So back in May. Um, I was hanging out with Ariel again in, in Nashville and we were doing some stuff for her. We were shooting content and doing all the stuff. And I realized I'm like, I enjoy doing this, but I'm not doing like it to this level with my content. So I kind of studied what Ariel does a little bit and then brought it back to my channel and have actually seen an amazing, amazing growth since then. <laughs> and it's fitting that, me and Ariel shot a video when we were in Nashville 
and it just hit 51,000 views yesterday. So before that, wow. my highest video was 2,000. So. <laughs> wow, congratulations, Sarah. Thank That's you. awesome. You're right. It's a, doing the thing that scares you is because then you're scared of it less. It's funny. I, um, I'm the opposite yeah. of you. I could do the camera stuff but I really have a fear of public speaking. And so I have to keep forcing myself yeah. to do it. Like you said, you could speak yep. in front of soldiers. I'm like, I keep doing it. I keep taking the speaking gigs. I've been doing more of those mm -hmm. like events. People want me to come and tell the story of leaving the social justice left. And it's like, I get now what people are saying about like, force yourself into this thing that you don't want to do yeah. because you'll get to a place where, and I know I eventually will get to a place with it. Like I did with podcasting where I'm not as afraid of it anymore. So yeah. And then there'll Absolutely. be other things. It's amazing just like how you do it so much. It just becomes super comfortable because I, I didn't, I mean, I was kind of more of a shy kid. So I hated getting and doing like public speaking stuff too. But then the army forced me to speak in front of people. So <laughs> I was like, okay. And it just got to be so just natural. Um, and so that's kind of what this is. And it was kind of fitting. It was also fitting too, because like almost exactly a year after I started my podcast, I was asked to be on slightly offensive so i was like and i was just like i look back on that video and i'm like i just look natural and so i was just like it just i, I look back at my very first video compared to that video and just saw how far i've come since then yeah just talking to people on screen is like nothing now it's like yeah second nature what's, what's slightly offensive oh, so it's slightly elijah offensive Sh with elijah schaefer schaefer yes yeah. okay cool yeah. on the blaze tv yeah Right yeah, so I was on that back in July. Um, we were talking um, how Caitlyn Jenner was treated at CPAC. That was right oh. after all that happened. I didn't so even know was, she went to fun. CPAC. There are entire parts of the internet I miss. <laughs> <laughs> that is what ha that that does happen. Yeah. <laughs> later, you know what's funny too when you find out something late or you read about something later, an article or something, and this whole oh god, what is there's so many pet peeves we all have, I'm sure, about Twitter. One of mine is when you post an article late. I saw somebody did said this to James Lindsay the other day. He shared something, and they were like, this is three months old. It's like, so? It's still true. Right? I just read it. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Like, well, I, I saw that. That was like yesterday. Um, there was a video going around the internet quite a bit of – an Australian police officer kicking somebody while they were basically being yeah. detained by other cops. Like they had, it was, it was stupid. And then people were like, well, this video is from 2018. It's like, well, okay, but it's still okay. happening. I can show you 10,000. I can show you a thousand other videos that are yeah. the same stuff happening yeah. right now. <laughs> yeah. It's like, thank you. I'm glad we have an accurate date stamp on it. And also this video is real. <laughs> yeah. It happens. <laughs> so crazy so i so i want I, I did want to ask you um about so you i saw when i was looking through your stuff you have civility dinner that you created i love the concept as i was reading about it so you kind of want to explain that a little bit like what that was or is or? yeah so i started those in 2000 probably it was early 2017 i think it was after the trump had won and i was trying to figure out why he won <laughs> I was way, I was waking up in a lot of ways to to what social justice really is versus what I thought it was, and yeah. it was just like a, a lot of red pill moments for me, and and so I started to realize I didn't actually know any people who voted for Trump that I just had a lot of assumptions about them 
and I didn't, I did, I wanted to have conversations. And so, and I also, I was becoming increasingly at that time, I was really worried we were going to have a civil war because people in yeah. my world in the social justice left who were not reacting well to Trump having won, and there were riots and there were protests in the streets. And I just, the kind of language that was being used, there's this very dehumanizing language of calling all Trump voters Nazis and, um, you know, and at the same time saying it's okay to punch Nazis, then def defining, labeling 63 mm -hmm. million people as, as Nazis, people that it's okay to use physical violence yeah. against, that was scaring me. So I started them and I actually, I went to here in Austin, I went to a Mike Cernovich meetup so I can meet some conservatives. And I actually ended up meeting more liberals there. <laughs> I still met, I did meet some conservatives, but I met a lot of liberals like me. I was like, oh, see, see, even this story about him I found was wrong. Um, but mm -hmm. I met, I met people that don't really neatly fit into boxes. And, and yeah. so then I started doing the dinners and we would have those first few ones. It was so interesting because everybody was against type. All of the Trump voters who were coming were people of color. Um, the white evangelicals, did not vote for Trump. <laughs> they voted for Clinton or a third party. I'm trying to remember who that, not, not Jill Stein, but they voted for what's his face. It was uh, um, Gary Johnson. Gary Johnson. And then I had, we had atheists coming and Christians and we had just like people of, of different beliefs, whether those beliefs, political, spiritual, uh, religious beliefs. And we would have conversations and it was so interesting to have, like to get to hear from people, one of the most interesting ones we had was where somebody asked like, why do you think Trump won? And we went around the circle and to hear everybody say why they thought he won and hear from the mouth of people who voted for him, they had a really different answer and all kinds of answers, different yeah. from what the liberal Hillary voter thought they were going to say, you know, that was so interesting. And all the reasons I had been told why he won, I didn't hear any of that from these people. And, and so it was opening my eyes a lot. And as they went on, it was also really cool to get to hear sometimes when people would disagree because these kind of dinners self-select for, I think they self-select for people who are open-minded and outside of oh, your doggy. <laughs> um, they self-select for people who are outside of type already. Okay. And I mean, that makes so, sense too. And so, so you would get people arguing, like, for example, when the Colin Kaepernick taking a knee thing, when that was big in the, in the news, and they're always trying to divide us over these like issues, right? So this is one of the things at the time they were pushing in the media a lot, trying to divide us. And they'd always tell you what your tribal view should be. What I really loved is that I'd have people who were not a part of the tribe. And so you would have at a dinner, you would have, we would have somebody who was a conservative who was arguing on behalf of Colin Kaepernick taking a knee. And then you would have a liberal arguing against Carly, Colin Kaepernick taking a knee. And it's like, whoa, like it's like not the positions that we're told you're supposed to hold by the powers that be. So yeah, civility dinners are great. Um, I need to start doing more of them. I've only done, I only did two this year so far just because of COVID and stuff. Yeah. I, I really need to bring I, it back. I figured that it would probably slow down because of COVID, but I, I absolutely, I saw that and I was like, that is such a good concept because like that was one of the things that I've always 
tried to do on this channel is bring more people that I completely disagree with on that can have a civil conversation. Um, and that's, I mean, so when I get asked to go on somebody else's channel, that's, I disagree with on stuff too. I do the same thing. And it's like, um, but here I have a little bit more control cause I can just cut somebody off. If they start screaming and stuff. But, um, yeah. I think like if you can find those people that you can have disagreements with, it's, it's really important that we, we had those kind of conversations. Nice. So when I saw you do those di dinners, I was like, that is an awesome concept. It's also because in person when, and over food, especially, I think it's hard for people yeah. to dehumanize each other and you're more likely to treat each other as real people. Cause you're like breaking yep. bread. And, and the first few, we don't do this anymore, but the first year we did them in each other's houses. So that's even more intimate because you're in this person's yeah. living room, you know, you're in their dining yeah. room. It's like, and they, they cooked for you and you're not gonna. So even if you disagree, it just was the best kind of environment to have such different people coming together. And yeah. now we meet Which at restaurants. Is a good I don't know. It got, it got big enough that I like was like, I don't want to have it in people's homes anymore. If, you know, as yeah. it gets bigger, I, I just don't know. You know, there's people who want to target you for being a wrong speaker or whatever. Mm -hmm. Maybe the, anyway yeah and i i think that's a, that's a what am i gonna say that's a good point because with the, with the age of social media and twitter and everything else it's it's taken the human element out of it because people are much less likely to be nasty to people when they're face to face or even you know even if they're just talking to each other on a on a, on a call like this you're so much less likely to be because you see a human in front of you you don't just see text on, yes. on a screen Yes. And so, that's, yeah. I always, I, that's what I love about the podcast and about, cause you can yeah. sometimes get people just outside, put their defenses down. And yeah. I really hope I want to see more of that at the conferences and stuff. There's a conference I do every year. Well, I've been doing anyway, recently the better discourse conference. And that's interesting because they're trying to do the same thing on a large scale, bring together speakers and an audience who have different opinions and have these conversations. But sometimes oh, yeah. I find that people come, sometimes people come less with the intention of, of figuring out what they have, what we all have in common, despite our differences, which is what I would like to see. Mm -hmm. I'd like to see building bridges and stuff, but uh, sometimes people come more with the attitude of I'm coming to slay, you know, and debate. And mm -hmm. I'm like, uh, okay. Yeah. I mean, I know that is more for other people's liking than mine, but I'm just like, I would rather that person who wants to debate me or whatever, really hardcore. I want to have a real conversation with you and find out like, what do we yeah. agree on and what, at what point yeah. do our views diverge and can we trace it down exactly to where it is that we're differing? That's more interesting to me. Yeah. Well, that's what I learned when I had Spike Cohen on because Spike Cohen was the former VP candidate of the Libertarian party in the last election. And he spoke about, I mean, he's, he has now spoken at two BLM rallies. Um, basically talking criminal justice reform and um, other stuff like that, stuff that we agree on. And so it's like, basically like, no, we can just agree to disagree on this stuff, but these are two things that we can work together on. And I have friends mm -hmm. like that here in Atlanta that they're working on stuff like ending police city. Like we had a, they were going to basically carve out this whole space for police training and stuff like that around here. And it was, 
Um, and so they were working against that. It's not something that we should be spending money on. The Libertarian Party disagreed with it, and the and the the more liberal people in the city disagreed with it too. So it's like that's type of stuff we can work on together, as well as um, like the Libertarian Party and certain like liberal groups in in the city have worked on helping the homeless here, whereas the Libertarians are kind of helping you know through volunteerism, and the others are kind of protesting to get you know spaces and houses and and deregulate where homeless people can live and stuff like that so but those are two areas that where we can always come together on and there's always those mm -hmm. areas i always think that you can find common ground with people and i always like to use the quote of so gandhi said um honest disagreement is often a sign of progress and so that's what we need more of right now and we're not seeing yeah. it enough I think it happens more often than we think, but I think the media um, doesn't show like the honest. They don't have an interest in showing that. No. <laughs> yeah. They don't. Yeah, I heard. So, are you are you going to that conference? Because it's well, it's right up there in Fort Worth, right? Yeah, yeah. So I'll be moderating two panels. Uh, when is it? November sixth. So yeah. anybody who wants more info can go to Better Discourse conference stuck i think it's better discourse yeah. conference i'll look it up I yeah i'm i'm not sure um because i know i know a few people that are going to be on panels up there as well so um better discourse event okay so better which yeah and i heard a lot of the people that are on the guest list so there is a pretty wide wide range from left to right on there so it's it seems like it's going to be a good event that's cool. I'm excited to hear that. Yeah. Hopefully my brain fog will be <laughs> over by then. <laughs> I mean, he got a month. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> but that's good. Um, well, okay. So I guess uh, we're coming up on that hour. So where can people find you at? You can find me at on Twitter at KSE Mama Jamma. I picked my Twitter name back before I knew that I would have have to give it out to people ever. <laughs> so I probably need a new one. But it's still right now it's KSE Mama Jamma. And then yeah. uh, you can find me online at kerrysmith.net, K-E-R-I Smith.net and at unsafespace.com. Unsafe space is where you can find all of our podcasts and shows. And uh, oh thanks. <laughs> Look at that. You put it right there at the bottom. Woohoo. <laughs> Thank you. I'm getting good with this the new software, new software. <laughs> Sarah, we'll have to have you okay. on our show sometime when I'm uh there's so many people that have to get scheduled and this past week with the brain fog, I've just been like, there's no way. I'm already behind yeah. schedule as it is, and now I've been like, Woo, you were really persistent. So thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Now well, it was good too, because but yeah. that was the best thing is you're you're feeling better and you're 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 this is good for me almost good practice. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Yes, anytime, and, and anytime you guys have available, just let me know. Um, I will I okay. I will clear my schedule to come on. So that'd be awesome. awesome. All right, and everybody else, make sure you guys click that uh, subscribe button below, and we will see you next time.